Mark 1, verses 40 to 45. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. And people were coming to him from every quarter. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, again, as we open your word, we ask that your blessing would be upon it, that it would go forth with great power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. Father, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to understand and obey. I pray that our lives will be changed because of your word this morning. Again, we ask this confidently in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, let me begin this morning by asking you a question. What is the most important thing about us? What is the most important thing about us? A.W. Tozer in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy, wrote this. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And he went on to justify that bold assertion. He said, The history of mankind will probably show that no people has ever risen above its religion. And man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God Himself. And the most portentous fact about any man is not what he at any given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. He went on to say, We tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. This is true not only of the individual Christian, but of the company of Christians that composes the church. Were we able to extract from any man a complete answer to the question, what comes into your mind when you think about God, we might predict with certainty the spiritual future of that man. I think that is so true and so profound. So let me ask you a question. How big is your God? How big is your God? And let me tell you what I have in mind. I don't have in mind the answer you would write down on the exam. Many of us know the correct answer. When it comes to God's power, we know that He is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. When it comes to what He knows, we know that He is omniscient. That He knows all things. When it comes to His presence, we know that He is omnipresent. That He is present everywhere. He literally fills heaven and earth. There's no place where He is not. We know that He's loving, gracious, merciful, kind, compassionate. 
We know that He's eternal, sovereign, supreme. We know that's the correct answer. We know that's the answer we write down when we fill in the blank. But what I have in mind is how big is your God when you go through a difficulty? How big is your God when you get laid off at work? How big is your God when your children go astray? How big is your God when you get that dreaded report from the doctor? So in other words, when I ask how big is your God, I'm asking how big is your God in relation to the troubles that you go through in life? A.W. Tozer understood that there's an inescapable connection between a person's perception of God and the trajectory of their Christian life and ministry. Therefore, we should take his admonition to heart. He says, The heaviest obligation lying upon the Christian church today is to purify and elevate her concept of God until it is once more worthy of Him and of her. In all her prayers and labors, this should have first place. We do the greatest service to the next generation of Christians by passing on to them, undimmed and undiminished, that noble concept of God which we receive from our Hebrew and Christian fathers of generations past. This will prove a greater value to them than anything that art or science can derive, devise. Excuse me. Now, the objective that I have this morning is twofold. I want us to evaluate the size of our God, the true size of our God, and also I want us to see that God really is bigger than we think. And I think if we're all honest this morning, God really is much bigger than we can imagine. After all, let's realize He's an infinite God and we only have finite minds in which we're even considering Him. But let's really be honest. How big is our God? And let's see if we can elevate our concepts of God. And to achieve it, this objective, I want to ask three questions related to our passage. And the first question is this. Do you believe that God is able to meet your needs? Do you believe that God is able to take care of your needs? To take care of your problems? To see you through difficulties? In verse 40 we read, And a leper came to Jesus, imploring Him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. There is no doubt in the mind of this leper that Jesus has the ability, that Jesus has the power to cleanse him. And think about what his problem is. His problem is that of leprosy. Now, in the Bible... Um, leprosy is kind of a generic term. It can cover what the scribes have said. Uh, 72 different skin conditions. So it's kind of a general term. But regardless, we know from the cross passage in Luke that this man is full of leprosy. So whatever kind of leprosy he has, whatever skin condition he has, we know that it's a bad one because he is full of leprosy. Now, this is a dreaded disease because it made you unclean. 
What does that mean? That means that if you had leprosy, you had to remain outside the camp. You had to remain outside the temple, outside of God's presence, outside the people of God, outside of towns, and you could only remain at a distance with people. If people came close to you, you had to cover your face and you had to cry out, unclean, unclean. So this was a physical disease. This had religious connotations and it had social connotations. And usually what a leper did is they stayed at a distance. In Luke, when ten lepers come to Jesus, they cry out at a distance, Lord, have mercy on us. But not this leper. What does this leper do? This leper comes all the way up to Jesus. Did you notice that? Came right up to Jesus. How close to Jesus? Well, apparently so close that all Jesus had to do was reach out His hand and touch Him. So He's defying the law of Moses because He's in a desperate condition. And what else is He doing? He is imploring Jesus for healing. And the leper came to Him imploring Him. Some translations say beseeching Him. What you need to know is that this is in the present tense which simply means this is ongoing action. So repeatedly, this leper is saying, Jesus, heal me. Jesus, heal me. Please, please, please. He's persistent. He's not giving up. And he's on his knees before Jesus. A sign of humility. Not only right in front of Jesus, but bowing down before Jesus. And again, in the cross reference in Luke 5.12, we're told that not only is he kneeling before Jesus, but he is on his face before Jesus. His face is to the ground right in front of Jesus, begging Jesus to be merciful. And Luke also adds that he called Jesus Lord, which could mean sir on the one hand, maybe it was just a sign of respect, or it could mean that he's recognizing that Jesus is the true Lord, the sovereign one equal with God himself. I'm not sure which it is, but I suspect the latter because of his posture before Jesus. And he's crying out. In a sense, you could say that we're getting a glimpse to the leper's prayer life. He's got a problem. There's only one person that can take care of it, Jesus. He's confident of that. And as a result, he is crying out to God. Let me ask this question. What does your prayer life look like? If you say you have a big God, here's, here's what I know. That's going to demonstrate itself in your prayer life. And perhaps nothing more demonstrates your true perception of God than your private prayers in your private prayer closets, wherever that may be or whatever that may be. Your true spiritual condition really is revealed when you're on your knees before God when it's just you and God. And let me ask you, what kind of things are you praying for? What kinds of things are you praying for? Because you have a great God. Hudson Taylor prayed, Give me China or I die. China. Wow! <laughs> Who does he think God is? A God big enough to give him China. 
How about John Knox? What did he pray for? Some of you know, what did he pray for, Larry? England. Scotland, right? Give me Scotland. Wow, who does John Knox think that God, God able to give him Scotland? Any of you ever prayed? America. I want America. Maybe we'll build our way up. Maybe we start Fox Lake. <laughs> Johnsburg. Maybe we'll branch out from there. But honestly, what, what are we praying for? When, when you come before God, you say, now Lord, I, I know that you can take care of this problem. Do you have that kind of confidence? Because your God is big. Your God is great. Your, your God is over and above everything. Your God has all power, all wisdom, all knowledge. What do your prayers look like? Again, we can say all we want. My God is great. Is there any evidence of that in how we live our Christian life? Let me ask you another question. Question number two to evaluate the size of your God. Do you believe God is willing to meet your need? Now here, maybe we're getting more to the issue. I think many of us say, yeah, God is able. I believe that. You ask if God is able. I believe that. But now we're getting more personal. Do you believe God is able? Now I'm asking, and do you believe that God is willing to meet your need? Does God care about you? In other words, and what you're going through. Again, look at the leper. He's imploring Jesus. He's on his knees. If you will, you can make me clean. He's absolutely confident in Jesus' ability to make him clean. But what he's not so sure about is Jesus' willingness. He doesn't know if Jesus would be willing to take an interest in him an unclean, despised, outcast leper. He doesn't know if Jesus cares about lepers. If Jesus cares about the down and out people. Does Jesus care about someone like me? That He's not so sure about. And here's what we have to realize. We, we can believe that God has all power and all knowledge and that He is sovereign over all. But, if He doesn't care about me, if He's not willing to extend His powerful right hand in my situation, then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So when we talk about how big is God, let's realize that we're asking the question in relationship to our problems and in relationship to who we are. Maybe we need to personalize it this way. Is He my big God? How big is my God? The God that intervenes in my life. The God who cares about me. How big is, is that God? Is God moved by your pain? Or is He indifferent? Is He too busy with that crisis in the Middle East? Verse 41 is beautiful. Moved with Pity. Beautiful Greek word here. It's splachna. Just sounds good, doesn't it? Splachna. And it has to do with being moved in the bowels. In, in English, we, we talked about you know, our hearts being moved. We talk about that, the inner being, you know, the hearts. 
Uh, the Greeks would talk about the heart, but they would also talk about the bowels. So what's being communicated here is that moved in the very depth of his being, Jesus felt pity or Jesus had compassion, which says he wasn't indifferent. When Jesus was walking on earth, he didn't walk, walk through life indifferent to the struggles that people went through. Oh, there's a leopard over there. That must be rough. And just continued on with his day. You know, I have places to go, people to see, things to do. God, in other words, has a heart. God is moved by what we go through. Such a simple thing, but a very profound thing. Is your God moved by what you go through? Does your God care? And then notice, he stretched out his hand and touched him. Now, if you think this leper was exercising audacity when he came right up to Jesus, which he was not supposed to do, then you're going to find what Jesus does here absolutely scandalous. Jesus was supposed to stay away from lepers. What would happen if Jesus touched the leper? That uncleanness would spread to him. What does Jesus do? He reaches out his hand, and I just I love the details of Mark. Every step of the way, stretched out his hand and touched him. Jesus touched the untouchable. He touched this leper. And, and who knows how long this man was in this unclean position. Was it weeks? Was it months? Was it years? We're, we're not told. But for at least some time, he had to cry out, unclean, unclean, which was a word to everybody, stay away from me. You can't come near me. Because if you get too close, it's going to rub off on you and you'll become unclean too. So you can't come close to me. And here's this leper goes right up to Jesus. And Jesus stretches out his hand and touches him. Maybe the first touch that he's had in literally years depending on how long he had this condition. Jesus moved with compity, touches him. This leper, I guarantee you, never forgot that touch. Never forgot that touch. The most affectionate, loving touch he ever experienced in his life. You know, I try to imagine this leper when he went out later. We're told that he told everybody what happened, even though he wasn't supposed to. But he went out and he told everybody, and I imagine this leper telling people, I was absolutely blown away when he reached out his hand and he touched me. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that he actually touched me. I'll, I'll never forget it till the day I die. I never would have dreamed that I would have been the recipient of such compassion and then, of course, Jesus communicates very clearly, I will. In other words, I am more than willing to intervene in your situation. Be clean. And immediately, one of Mark's favorite words, he finds all throughout the Gospel, and immediately, he was made clean. Isn't that beautiful? Immediately, he was made clean. Our God is able and our God is willing. And leading up to Christ, uh, Christmas, we had the series, Why Christ Came. And here's 
another answer why Christ came, why He took upon Himself flesh and blood so that He could touch with His own hands lepers. God wanted to say, I'm moved with pity and I want to communicate that to you. And He touched them. And here's the truth. God touches the lives of all His people. Our Heavenly Father is not indifferent to the sufferings of His children. Our Heavenly Father is all-powerful and all-willing to intervene in our lives. Now, I know what you're thinking. What about all the unanswered prayer? Let me tell you, I don't believe in unanswered prayer. What we call unanswered prayer is no answered prayer. It's a no answer to prayer. And that's very significant to me. Because here's what we say by unanswered prayer. You know, we, we pray before God, I'm going through this situation, please help me, please help me. Don't hear anything. God doesn't care. God heard. Our God is not deaf, okay? Our God is all hearing as well. God heard. And, I'm going to take a step further, He not only heard, He answered. And He either said, yes, no, or not now. But He answered. He's not ignoring us. And if He said no, He said no for very good reasons. It's not because He doesn't care. It's because He knows that that's the best answer to our prayers. We have to trust Him. George Mueller's wife was dying. And he prayed, Yes, my father, the times of my darling wife are in your hands. Thou wilt do the very best thing for her and for me, whether life or death. If it may be, raise up again, my precious wife. Thou art able to do it, though she is so ill. But howsoever thou dealest with me, only help me to continue to be perfectly satisfied with thy will. He knew God was able. You can raise her up. God said, yep, I could raise her up, but I'm not going to. It wasn't God's will. She died. Mueller bowed his head. I bow. I am satisfied with the will of my Heavenly Father. I seek by perfect submission to His holy will to glorify Him. I kiss continually the hand that has afflicted me. Without an effort, my inmost soul habitually joys in the joy of that loved departed one. Her happiness gives me joy. My dear daughter and I would not have her back were it possible to produce it by a turn of the hand. God Himself has done it. We are satisfied with Him. Did God answer Mueller's prayers? He did. And by the way, did you notice that He answered two prayers? Did you notice them? The first prayer was, raise up my wife. And God said, no. The second prayer was, help me to be satisfied with your will, whatever it is. And God said, yes. God said no to the first request. He said yes to the second. He said, I will help you to be satisfied. And then Mueller was able to say, even if we could have her back, we wouldn't have her back because we know that this is God's good, perfect will for us. We are content. 
that's so important. Often with a no is a yes. And of course, one of my favorites is the Apostle Paul. And we saw it in our memory verse this morning. Three times I pleaded with the Lord. Take it away! Take it away! Take it away! You know he was crying out. And God said, nope. 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 I'm not going to take it away. But, I will give you grace. My grace is sufficient for you. My power will be made perfect in weakness. God said, no, I can't take away the thorn in the flesh because then you would become this arrogant, uh, puffed up apostle. I can't have that. So God said, no, I'm going to give you a thorn in the flesh to keep you from becoming conceited because of all those great revelations I got you. No, you need the thorn in the flesh. But in addition to the thorn in the flesh, I'll give you grace so that you can stand up underneath it. So God said, no, and God said, yes. God has a pur- purpose for everything that he does. Joseph, we know he, he was sold by his brothers into slavery, falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, thrown in prison for forgot about those who he interpreted the dreams for 13 years. I bet for 13 years he was saying, Lord, what, what is going on? I'm following you. I'm living a righteous life. I'm turning away from temptation. And it just seems the more I follow you, I just go down farther and farther and farther. I don't understand what's the purpose of all this. And then finally, one day came. And just like that, Joseph was elevated second in command in Egypt. Ended up saving his family, saving the nation. Then Joseph said, now I understand. Now I understand. And here's what we have to realize. A day is coming when all of us will understand. Maybe not in this life, maybe the next, but a day is coming when we will understand and God will say, this is why that happened in your life. Let me tell you what I was doing. I, you didn't know it, but I was working on all things for your good. Here is what I worked out in that situation. And then we're going to go, oh, now I see how beautiful I'm so glad I went through that because of what you brought about. God is willing. God is intervening. Really, the matter here is a matter of trust. A matter of trust. Is our God, I guess we could ask the question this way, big enough to be trusted even when we go through difficult situations? Is God big enough to be trusted? And a final question we could ask, do you believe that God is worthy of all your obedience? Do you believe that God is worthy of all your obedience? This passage started off so well and then it slowly goes downhill. And Jesus, verse 43 says, sternly charged him. That's very strong in the Greek. Uh, the word relates to a horse snorting. It's one of those anamonopias. The word that uh, its meaning is like it sounds. Very strong here. Very strong term. Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. And that's very forceful as well. That sent him away is not just, okay, you can go now. It's the same word used of casting out demons. He sent them out. It's kind of the, Cast them out, if you, if you will. And he said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. Now think about how this leper should have responded. He's got this incurable disease 
that isolates them from people. Jesus has just healed them. He touched them. He said, be clean. And immediately he's clean. And Jesus, in a sense, says, now will you do something for me? Don't say anything to anybody of what I've just done, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifice that Moses commands as a testimony to them. We need to obey the law of Moses. And the law of Moses says when you've been cleaned of this skin condition, you need to go to the priest and they will verify that you're clean. They were, in a sense, the physicians of the day. And they will bring you back into the community. And you would think, this leper would say, you, you just cleansed me. I'll, I'll do anything you want me to do. You, you want me to keep my mouth shut? No one's going to know. No one's going to know. You want me to go to... I'm, I'm going to the priest right now. I'm going to make a beeline. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to talk to anybody. I'm not going to get a drink. I'm going to do exactly what you want me to do. Because you're a great God. I follow your commands to the letter. Now what he does. It's real sad here. Verse 45. But. There's good buts in the Bible. There's bad buts in the Bible. (laughs) This is a bad one. But. In spite of what Jesus just told him to do. He went out and began to talk freely. Started telling everybody what happened, even though Jesus just told him, don't tell anybody. Disobeyed his commands. See, this leper, in his mind, Jesus is able to heal him. He's not so sure about his willingness. And he's not so sure if that Jesus is worthy of his absolute allegiance. Got off to such a great start, but then it, it kind of went downhill from there. His God is not big enough. Otherwise, he would have done absolutely everything that Jesus told him to do. So we have to ask ourselves, do we love Jesus' commands? Do we love to obey Him? Is our God big enough to be obeyed? Because He does know what He's talking about. Because He is wise. If He gives us a command, there must be a very good reason for this command. And therefore, I'd be an absolute fool not to obey this command. I'd be an absolute idiot not to follow Him. Not to do everything He tells me to do. Is your God big enough your obedience. We look at the leper, but we have, we have to realize we're this leper. This, this is us. Isaiah 64.6 You don't have to turn to it. I'll just read it. We have all become like one who is unclean. We have all become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. We're all sinners. We're all lepers. And what you need to realize is this passage really isn't about healing per se as it is about restoring his position before God. 
See, this passage never talks about healing. It talks about being clean and about Jesus cleansing him. Jesus said, I'll make you clean so that you can be restored to God, the temple, and the people of God. See, the problem is he's unclean. So the focus really is on his spiritual condition or his religious standing. He's unclean. He needs to be clean before God. And because of our sin, we're unclean before God. Which means we're not welcome inside the camp of God. We have to remain outside the camp, outside the people of God. That's our standing. We're unclean lepers. Does Jesus care about our uncleanness? Well, we know that He's able to take care of it. Is He willing? Absolutely, He is willing. That's what the death of Christ is all about. He took our infirmities and diseases upon Himself. That's a reference to all our uncleanness. He took it upon Himself. And you know what's interesting? is This passage begins with Jesus in the town, the leper on the outside, and it ends with the leper being cleansed so that He can be in town among the people, and it ends with Jesus being outside of the town. Look at verse 45. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and spread the news so that, here's the result, Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. Jesus has traded places with the leper. Now the leper is on the inside and Jesus is on the outside. He's traded places with the leper. And isn't that what the cross is all about? We're the sinners. We're the ones that deserve God's wrath. We're the ones that are supposed to hang on a cross and be punished by God. Jesus says, I'll, I'll take their place. I'll take His place. I'll take her place. And I'll take your punishment, Lord, upon me so that they can have my righteous standing. This is what Christianity is all about. Jesus trading places with us. And why does He do that? Because He's not only able to do it, but He's willing to do that. Because He really does care about us. He really does care about our uncleanness and He does something about it. And as a result of that, we should joyfully obey Him. It should be our delight. Whatever you want me to do, you've done so much for me, I could never repay you. And of course, you're not asking me to repay you, but out of gratitude... Out of gratitude, let me serve you. Let me obey you. Let me walk with you. Let me commune with you. And the whole Christian life should be a response to what He has done for us in trading places with us unclean sinners. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank You for this great story of the leper in which we see ourselves so clear. Father, You have done so much for us. You have demonstrated Your your care for us. Help us to see that. Help us to grow in our understanding of who You are. May You truly be a great God in our mind's eyes. A great God who cares. A great God who is worthy of all our obedience, all our 
service, all our worship. Father, You are worthy of it all because of who You are. And Father, again, we thank You for Advent. We thank You for the coming of Christ. We thank You that He took our place so that we could be clean. In His name, Amen.